guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day for an interview. And I know I say that every single time, uh, but it is a fantastic uh, day because I, I bring on guests that that have gone through the darkness, that have gone often through, through trials and tribulations, and that really challenge them to grow, to transform, to adapt to their challenges. And today is no difference. Today I've got Monica Cox with me. And Monica is here to share the hard lessons that she has learned. Because nowadays she is a health coach out there for specifically for women who want to have babies, but where infertility has struck. And I'm her story is so beautiful. It's a story of transformation, a story of, of change, a story of growth. So uh, most of my, my guests are version 2.0, the improved version. And Monica is no exception. So I'm, I'm dead proud to have her on my show. Monica, welcome to My Steps to Sobriety. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure and it's an honor um, because it is, it is uh, infertility is not something that many women want to speak about there is a certain shame a certain feeling of failure all these kind of of weird emotions that fit with that so having said that i mean you what did you want to be when you were uh, a teenager i mean most most women say oh no 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 i will be a, a health coach for infertility said no yeah. teenager ever <laughs> right <laughs> who did you want to be uh well just a snowboarding bum to be honest when I was a teenager uh, <laughs> I didn't really you know I was pretty lost looking back and I didn't have really any specifically um anything specific that I wanted to be I I love children and I always um was really attracted to taking care of children. Um, but also I was a traveler and I just wanted to explore. And, you know, when I finally eventually went to college, when I, after I got married around 23 years old, um, I did early education and childhood studies and I loved it. And I worked with children for many years, but um, a health coach and especially a fertility health coach wasn't even on the cards. I didn't even know it existed. And exactly. it didn't. It, was <laughs> it didn't back then. Touche. Touche. I mean, we have, yeah. um, we have seen a, a revolution um, within the last 20 years of people who have come to to huge obstacles in their life and have learned to overcome them who are now saying well actually uh damn if i had only known about the lessons and who are now coming out there and uh doing uh, coaching degrees or uh just getting out there and speaking up and and creating a following so it's yeah. it's so beautiful that this is happening but on the flip side it is well, we all have gone through the darkness. And obviously, there is a story there of, of yourself as well. Are you happy to share that? How, how did yeah, you? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I'll give you the cliff notes because it's almost nine years long. Yeah. But basically, at 27, uh, we started trying for a family and I couldn't get pregnant. Um, there was uh, nothing wrong with me, per se. The doctors could not figure out. I had no um, really big health issues. I had a lot of common ones, though, looking back. And um, we tried IVF. That didn't work. And so we started on a path um, 
of wellness Mm -hmm. because the doctors basically said I couldn't do anything to improve my situation. And I was 30 years old and I just called BS. I was like, this isn't true. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but there's got to be something and I'm willing to try everything. And that is like, including the witch doctor, you know, like, I don't care. I'm going to try it. So that was the the beginning of it. And, um, you know, long story short, I figured out the root cause of my fertility and it actually was my gut health, which was causing a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress through the rest of my body. And, um, causing low A quality and causing my body to be on such high alert that my immune system was attacking the embryos before they could even implant. And once I figured out what all my stressors were, what my inflammatory issues were, I reversed it. I do have an IVF baby, but I also got pregnant naturally after eight years of infertility BS. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, how the hell did you figure out your gut microbiome being such an important player? There's unfortunately, <laughs> there's there's nothing to actually tell you. Well, actually, it's down there. So for, yeah. before we go any bit further, for anyone who's saying, what are you talking about? Gut microbiome? Well, gut microbiome in a nutshell, guys, is all the bacteria that are living inside your bowel and are having a good time there. Now, you might think these are all all nasty little critters that are not supposed to be there. Well, actually, let me let me tell you on a few statistics. First of all, if you take all the cells that make you, guess what? About only 30% of them are coming from mommy and daddy. The rest are bacteria. <laughs> so that's a bit mm-hmm. scary. Um, but the good thing is there are very powerful, good bacteria. And it's actually, if you measure it, about you know, one and a half kilogram um, thereabouts, that is gut bacteria that are living inside of you. And they are having such an important uh, function within our bodies. It's only just something that we have started to to recognize more in the last 20 years. And it's still a big black box as far as many doctors are concerned. And whilst they may or may not uh, have read a bit about it, what do you do about it? Um, yeah, okay, bacteria, so great, what? Um, so that is the fact. The other thing, fact I want you to know is that you've got about a kilo and a half of nerve tissue up there in the head, and you've got about a kilo and a half nerve tissue here in your, in your tummy. Mm-hmm. Now, hmm, do you think that could actually have something to do with your well-being? And that maybe the, all those little things that the good bacteria create, do you think that could interact with the nervous system down there, which then could interact with the nervous system up there? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have, I, have, I, have I given you an idea where we are heading here? So this mm-hmm. is not mumbo jumbo. This is not witch yeah. doctor, although I look good in a rope and, and a bit few, yeah. few bones around me. <laughs> no, this is just thinking actually holistically and explaining to you guys why we are talking today about the, the, the lessons that, that Monica has learned the hard way. So Monica, back yeah. to you. So how did you figure out your gut was, was playing a role? 
uh, trial and error at the time, really, because, you know, Instagram wasn't even invented when I started my journey. Um, so this information wasn't out there. It basically, I did hook up with a really um, knowledgeable functional medicine practitioner, and he knew these things already. He was way beyond his time. But um, the focus was really, you know, um, improving um, my diet, improving my mental and emotional health. And um, when I got the results, because we eventually went for autoimmune testing, and I found out that I had a thing called high natural killer cells, which everyone has natural killer cells. It's the your immune system. It's the defense against a cold, a virus, you know, cancer. It will come and help you fight off those things. Where when you have stomach issues, what happens is, is your gut lining is like a shag carpet and it takes in the good stuff and it keeps out the bad stuff from your bloodstream. But when it's worn down again and again and again from alcohol, drugs, a poor diet, mental and emotional health, those junctions actually open and the food particles go into your bloodstream, elevating your um your immune system because it's like what the hell is this this is not supposed to be here attack 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 and then all of a sudden your immune system is on overdrive it has nowhere else to go and it starts attacking your body for me it was so silent of an autoimmune issue at the time i wasn't presenting with autoimmune issues like most people with this issue i just had severe leaky gut which was causing a cascade of inflammation through my my whole body. And, um, you know, through trial and error, through study, through testing, I started piecing all these things together and learning absolutely. Like, just think of the basics. Everything you put in your mouth goes to your gut. So say if you take a supplement because you've been told that supplement is going to increase whatever, your gut has to take it. It doesn't like bypass your gut and go to your ovaries or bypass your you know, gut and go to your liver. Your gut deals with it and then it takes that nutrients or that vitamin or those minerals and cascades it through your body and then it gives it the support of the targeted area, right? You know, even like taking a headache medicine, you don't put the medicine in your ear next to your brain, you put it in your gut and your gut deals with it. So unfortunately, we've been so disconnected that we're not thinking what we're eating, what we're drinking, even like the environmental toxins are having an effect on us. And we don't think about it until we hit rock bottom or we get sick or we deal with infertility. You're so right. You're so on the money. Um, out of interest, um, did you have... Um, signs and of upset tummies in the sense of a irritable bowel oh, yeah. syndrome okay yeah so, i had one. ibs you, did, I had you have diarrhea, did you have migraines did you have migraines no i no never headaches? got headaches no i never got headaches That's i didn't have skin issues uh, yeah yeah so my symptoms were a PMS. Yeah. Um, I had IBS. I had bloating after almost every single meal, yeah. um, diarrhea, constipation, um, and then brain fog and joint pain. Exactly. So they're exactly. all common and normal. Yeah. And the doctor's I, I, just like, here's yeah. a pill. <laughs> Have you got hay fever? 
I had a severe hay fever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So interesting because you've got pills for all these little things. And and I'm surprised that there's no migraines in there. Typically that that yeah. rounds the whole thing nicely up. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was pretty much like you, uh, minus the fertility, minus the, do I have migraines? Not really. No headaches. But there was a time about oh, six years ago, seven years ago, where I thought, oh, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. But that stage, I had already stopped um, uh, my alcohol well and truly. And I thought, yeah, after that initial surge of energy, I thought, well, okay, actually, come on, is that is that it? Am I getting old? What is it? Mm -hmm. And I went to a nutritionist. And this nutritionist, Ben Warren, who's quite known here in New Zealand, is an amazing dude. Um, and he basically, I, I said to him, look, I've sent you so many patients uh, over my career as a doctor. Come on, it's time to put my money where my mouth is. Um, take me apart. I, I don't want to be the, be just vegetating, just living. Yeah. I want to thrive. And guess what? He did some allergy testing. Did you do anything like that? Did you? How did you actually figure out what substances were maybe not so good for you? Elimination. Drug. In the UK at the time, there yeah. was no exactly. um, good food sensitivity test. So it was just elimination for me. No surprise. And that is yeah. uh, often the, the path that is very powerful. For yeah. me, it was intriguing. I'm German. So I like a German breakfast. So those guys of you out there who are German, you can join me in some nice bread rolls, some nice cheese, <laughs> egg, Jeez. butter. Oh, yeah. God, yes, that's me. Bring it on. Well, guess what? I did some uh, some allergy testing and I was allergic to a German breakfast, okay? So yeah. gluten, dairy, egg, uh, blueberries, uh, to my surprise. Yeah. So a number of things that I loved to eat that and they were actually probably in the majority you know, of my foods turned yeah. out to actually make me quite sick. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, no, what the hell do I eat now? Uh, spinach leaves and that's it. And <laughs> ideally, yes, Ben would have liked me to do much, a lot more spinach leaves than I did. But in reality, um, yes, we eliminated that, those kind of the German breakfast out of my diet. And what shall I say? Um, similar to your story, my hay fever massively improved. The niggling mm -hmm. pains here or there massively improved uh my energy levels um yeah and i had to say you know this kind of okay you're right <laughs> <laughs> so i'm living proof that your story holds so true yeah. yet there are so many people out there who say oh yeah yeah i live healthy um and i don't need to to pay attention to that what do you say to those people um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of backlash that your diet doesn't impact this or the way you live your lifestyle, the stress. And I mean, the only thing is, is I'm not here to change your mind. Like you want to do it, do it. You know, for me, I was willing to try anything and the things that worked, I kept doing. So if you don't believe it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't believe it, just try it, prove yourself right, prove yourself right that this stuff doesn't work. But I think most people 
when they start seeing the results and quite quickly too, like it's not um, like fertility is a little bit different, but your gut health and your mood and all that. I mean, Mm. you're talking weeks that you can see really great improvement. Mm. Um, So I'm just kind of like, why do you need science to tell you what your body can tell you yourself Uh, and you're never going to get a true scientific study on this because we're all so different you uh, can't put this you know 100 people through the same regime and be like oh we'll see it didn't work it was like yeah well people need different things right and that's brilliant but um, as a doctor i have to say you actually went through a fertility clinic because we have to recognize that there are many cases, the majority of cases where actually um, people can very much find something. It might be as simple as the sperm count in the partner being low. So it might actually not have to do with you as a woman. You might still have your IBS and you might still have everything, but you could very happily get pregnant. But it's actually your husband um, who who is is firing blanks. So here you go. So that is one example to actually say, hang on, this is a journey that most definitely will lead to an improved lifestyle for you. But uh, don't don't just do that and forget to actually look at for the, the more nasty things that potentially are, are really the problem with you not having babies. And- yeah, I mean, there's always a certain extent of like needing Western medicine to answer some questions for you. I think... Um, the issue that I stumbled upon, and this was in the United Kingdom, I'm American, I live in America, my husband's New Zealand, we've been to New Zealand. So we have like a pretty wide variety of different healthcare systems. Um, And the majority of them were saying, well, this is your issue, but there's nothing you can do about it other than this very expensive medical treatment or taking these immune suppressing drugs or, so that's like the disconnect for me is like, yes, we need Western medicine to answer some questions and women and men dealing with structural issues or real genetic issues that you can't change with holistic medicine. That's what the fertility support is, but it's literally changed into a billion dollar industry and everyone dealing with any type of fertility issue is just getting cattled to fertility treatments. And um, unfortunately what's happening is that we are playing Russian roulette with our children's health because we're not taking care of our health and we're bypassing what our body is trying to tell us, like, Mm. no, we Mm. can't do this, Mm. but yet we're able to do this now with scientific help or medical help. Yet we're, you know, slowly starting to see the impact on our children's life. And the studies are out there. You know, IVF babies are 30% more likely to have autism, ADHD, food sensitivity issues, you know, a cascade of issues. And it's not the treatments, it's the health of the mother and father. They don't have to do anything. They get pregnant, they use this medication, and they still are growing this baby in the environment that ha- was telling them before, uh-huh. I'm not. it's not good enough to grow a baby, but they bypassed all those things. So I don't have an issue with medical treatment. I have an issue of how it's like really being used. Oh, very nice. (laughs) Very intriguing insight there. Yeah. Very intriguing. 
Okay, now I'll take all that, what you're saying there. Um, and there might be a fertility expert, i.e. a gynecologist who is specialized in fertility, who might very much disagree or take take yeah. uh, take offense. Having said that, um, I certainly know that there is so much more to the human being than just a few tablets. There are very few things you can you can cure with tablets and injections. Um, if your diet has been deficient, if you're malnourished, like most people in the Western world actually are, if you're malnourished uh, and you uh, live a life of yeah, you know, not so great choices. Uh, lots of alcohol, lots of smoking, lots of working hard, eating shit. Yeah. Uh, and then you say, doctor, I have got this heart attack. Cure me. Fix me. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Come on, man. I can't suck out 40 years of cigarettes out of your arteries or mm -hmm. 40 years of pizza. Sorry, that doesn't work. So I think I love the way that you put ownership Um towards women in this particular case towards your clients and i would i would extend that to any listener out there guys you have got choices to make every single second of the day you either uh drink uh water or you don't so i either you either rehydrate or you don't you eat healthy or you don't don't think that any of these 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 choices uh Think of that, all of these choices with compound interest. So you make the yeah. same choice again and again and again. Unfortunately, it will hit you sooner or later, like it yeah. or lump it. So yeah. therefore, it's like the saying, it's like the saying, you are what you eat. I mean, what? it's only true if you're consistently eating a Snickers bar. If you're eating a Snickers bar daily, you are somewhat a Snickers bar. If you have a Snickers bar once a month, you are not a Snickers bar, right? <laughs> so it's so the I've got a little, little sticker there that I bought somewhere. Um, you're uh, eat or drink, you're either creating disease or preventing yeah. it. You mm -hmm. know, it is actually it is so true. And you had yeah. figured out that that's the hard way. So, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're quite right. Yeah, they're really hard. Yeah. But so let's go back uh, to because we were talking infertility and we are talking. Uh, we let's let me round that up though as a as a physician, um, as a doctor. There are so many things out there um, where I think you need to go through um, to get yourself checked out. So if mm -hmm. you know that you're struggling with with fertility, then there are certain very basic things that your family physician, a house doctor, or GP can do, and then there are are more advanced things that uh, diagnostic things that a fertility clinic can do. Some fertility clinics are holistic, uh, more holistic than others. Um, mm -hmm. You have to say that. So if there's a functional medicine component as part of that, then you're probably already uh, having a head start compared with a more kind of let's let's yeah. implant embryos and that's the answer to everything. Um, the, the reason I say that in a, in a former life, I did a, this, my dissertation I wrote um, in fertility medicine, and I, uh, we examined women who repeatedly lost their babies, uh, mm -hmm. who repeated abortions. And for example, in Germany, at that time in the 80s, it was quite normal, it was the German dream to have a house, you go rustic, so that means you panel it yourself with wood and you paint the wood yourself with some uh, wood uh, preserving things. 
And it was not so uncommon that you had a young couple coming together. They have their first baby. Mummy stays home. Husband goes to work, paneling everything on the weekend, soaking it all. And then suddenly, uh, mummy started losing babies. And husband was fine because most of the days he was outside of the of the house. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we did at that time, we did uh, blood studies and we found PCP, Lindan, and those kind yeah. of, of substances that are basically leaking out of those toxic environments, which were now affecting the fertility of the woman. So mm -hmm. that was an interesting insight. And it shows that an holistic approach looking outside of the box suddenly can actually help you. So this yeah. is one example where you just can't figure it out all yourself, where actually mm -hmm. you want to have some help from someone who actually looks holistically, i.e. from, from all angles at you yeah. as a person, and then you as a future mummy or existing mummy who wants to have more babies. So I think mm -hmm. that is so important. So it yeah. is. this is not, an, not a thing that you can figure out all yourself. This is no, don't start creating the wheel again, literally. No, yeah. no, no, no. Cool. <laughs> so done, dusted. So I have to say that. So hopefully I, 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 I cover the medical side of things. But now let's come back to the leaky gut. And let's go back to where you actually started to make improvements. And yeah. it is. So it's amazing. So you, you, you had uh, omission diets. You basically started uh, not eating eggs probably gluten you probably stopped uh, yeah. using maybe dairy was that something you you went along yeah i basically went paleo um for a year and i saw great improvements in so many areas but i still wasn't getting pregnant and so when we went back to do a second round of ibf we went to a specific clinic for this immune testing because i had read dr beer's um is your body baby friendly book and um he was talking about which is still controversial to this day like i've literally had OBGYNs laugh at me and tell me that it's made up science and i'm like let's go back to the witchcraft. I don't care what it is. It's working. I got pregnant mm -hmm. because of this information. And so, um, we didn't do the immune testing. We got talked out of it because I wasn't having reoccurring miscarriages and that was kind of the recommendation. Uh -huh. And so I trusted them and didn't listen to my intuition. We got better embryos and we proved that diet could really impact egg quality because they told me I had low egg quality. There was nothing I can do. And all of a sudden I, I have better egg quality uh -huh. and um, I didn't make it to day 28. And I was devastated. And um, we went and did the immune testing. And it's only recently me doing this work that I realized that even after a year on a very clean diet, a really healthy lifestyle, I still had high natural killer cells that wouldn't let my embryos implant. And um, 
So we started using immune suppressing drugs. We had three frozen embryo transfers to do that with. And I started looking into immune issues because this wasn't an immune issue. And so luckily um, there's a, a scientist that it, she goes by the name, the paleo mom was her blog. It was a very simple blog at the time. And I just started consuming her content. And then that's when I realized that I was highly intolerant to tomatoes, paprika, aubergines, pepper peppers, potatoes, all the nightshades uh, that uh, have the lectin in them. And I was eating those every day because I'll they're healthy you. foods. And sure. why wouldn't, why wouldn't you? Um, and so it was really that time during my IVF's baby, when I was pregnant with him, I was very strict with my diet, probably like OTT, but I had no guidance, no one who had walked that path before to reassure me that I wasn't going to miscarry. Um, and I, so I think it was during his pregnancy, I got to quit work. I had a very, um, stress-free life. I just got to do all the right things. I was very, very privileged to do that. And after his birth, I just continued on. And because I felt great, I, my, like you, like, you know, like you felt like my brain fog was gone, you know, like I wasn't having all my gut issues. So I think that time. And because I didn't have the stress of infertility anymore, I didn't have the, you know, that type of stress. Um, it just allowed my body to heal, my gut health to heal, my endocrine system, my adrenals, like everything that you actually need for real fertility health. It really has nothing to do with your ovaries because there's other areas in your body that are actually in control of those that area, right? And so I, that's how I believe I got pregnant naturally you know, it, it, I really just gave my body time to heal. It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So come on, the old glass of wine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. See, I did when yeah. <laughs> I, I went on to the self-improvement uh, kind of bandwagon many, many, many years ago. So here I was reading or listening to Tony Robbins, having a yeah. glass of wine in my hand. <laughs> I was just slowly getting <laughs> pissed. <laughs> so that was my life for many, many, many years. Um, so, and, my, and, and I've put my story out there so many times. So I don't want to bore any more of our listeners here. But the reality is, yeah, I was drinking heavy. And needless to say, that yeah. is not particularly great for the gut. No. How was, how was your journey there? Because you told us earlier, here you were this sort of bit lost teenager. Now a lost yeah. teenager uh, is who is snowboarding. Let me guess. Mm -hmm. um, okay, there is. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> I'll make it short, but basically I grew up with two functioning alcoholics. Um, and both sides of my family, the culture was very much um, alcohol to have fun. Um, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say it was a frightful or a negative experience. It was always fun, you know, but it wasn't healthy. Um, and so my parents thought that it was safer for them to buy us alcohol during our high school parties than us to go to a party. They Absolutely. would rather just have us at our, at the house. So I was drinking pretty heavily from the age of 16. Uh, and it was like weekends, right? Like we wouldn't a uh, weekday drink with our family, but it, 
it was just starting to be acceptable. And then, yeah, when I was 18, um, I started traveling and snowboarding and that lifestyle is, I look back and I, I'm, I'm five, five, like 105 pounds. And I'm not surprised I had fertility issues with the amount of alcohol. Like let's, let's go away from the food. Let's go away from the toxins. Like just the alcohol was insane. And then I married a New Zealander who joined the British Air Force. And you want to talk about a drinking culture? Like fucking hell. And this little girl could keep up with those boys, right? And we're doing car bombs and shots and like, you know, to the wee hours of the night. Um, And so it was just a culture. And my husband enjoys a good drink and um, which is ironic because his parents don't drink. So I don't even know where he got his issues. (laughs) Um, And so when I started to get sober for my fertility, because I read some studies that even one glass of wine can mess with the microbiome. And it was an emotional, mental thing too. Like what's more important to you right now? Mm. Having one glass of wine or having your dream family. Now, do I believe that you have to be completely sober to heal? Absolutely not. I I have to say I wasn't, but um, I was very strict with myself before transfers and all that. And so when I got sober, I was like, this is it. I've cracked drinking like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to drink again, especially after my pregnancies. Right. (laughs) And that was like the furthest thing from the truth. And after I finished breastfeeding my second son, it quickly came back. The habit quickly came back. And, um, you know, the stress of motherhood. We moved countries after my Uh, second son was born from the UK to Hawaii. We didn't have a community Mm. COVID hit. And I started slipping into bad habits again. Now I couldn't drink like I used to drink and I couldn't even drink past seven o'clock, but I was having one to three glasses of something a night. And it's like, all right, here I'm back having 14 to 20 units a week me being the size that I am and with the combination of being a young mother um the diet was never an issue with me I'm pretty good with my diet but the the stress and the alcohol I started slowly seeing all my symptoms that I got rid of and hadn't seen for years come back the brain fog the PMS the bloating you know and it took me about a year and this is the time I started diving into the mental and emotional stuff and really going down the rabbit holes of self-love and self-worth and um, I knew at this stage that your subconscious mind is your driver and that I had to change some of my subconscious beliefs so I was working with that but during this time every single night I would go to bed I would tell myself I don't drink I'm not a drinker I'm not going to drink tomorrow and I would drink. I knew I was going to drink the next day. <laughs> like I, I like I knew that, but oh, I yeah. also knew that the reputation of me telling myself again and again and again that, and I even have it 
written down right here. I said, uh, Monica does limits her drinking and at times doesn't drink at all. I, I knew that I wanted to live a more sober life for various reasons. And April 1st, um, or not April 1st, but like a few weeks before April 1st, I was like, that's it. I'm going to stop April 1st new moon. That's me. I'm done. And I told my husband and he said, yeah, right. You're going back home for Easter to be with your family. There's no way you're not going to drink. And all that work, I mean, was minuscule work, right? Like I wasn't in AA, I wasn't like going to meetings or groups. It was just me sitting with myself, telling myself that this was going to change. I woke up and that's it. And I haven't had a drink since. Wow. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But let's go back. What did the alcohol (laughs) actually give you? Because that is that is the key thing. There is you're not just drinking because ooh, that's a very yummy poison. No teenager said that ever. Bullshit. Bullshit. No, it is oh. if you if you if you give alcohol to a little child, sort of, ugh, you get that kind of response. Or they try to oh, say and all no, the no. crap you all the crap you drank as a teenager, like the only shit you could afford was like the fireball, like the worst uh, stuff ever, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Um, so bullshit, bullshit I call yeah. on that. So what yeah. what what did the alcohol do to you? It was escape. It was absolute yeah. escape. You know, if you look back, you have two functioning alcoholics. I mean, they were escaping from their lives, you know, all the mental and emotional stuff that their parents put on them. And um, I mean, it's just a cascade of, um, you know, generational trauma. Um, so I think it was also like, it was the cool thing to do in my high school right mm-hmm. um and i was just running with that crowd and but at the end of the day when you get older um it, it is just an escape and um I, I saw that i was doing it at a boredom as well um like being a stay home homeschooling mom like, okay, I've done all the things that I need to do. Now we still have like six hours until bedtime. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, I like, <laughs> oh, I'm a little bit bored right now, just being honest. And um, so there was just like a few things. And I personally believe um, it's um, if you're using alcohol to, to, you know, so much so that you're changing the chemicals in your brain, right? Um, That you're on a subconscious level, it is just escapism. It's a self-worth, it's a self-love. And and then obviously it becomes habits and um, you have to start breaking like every little chain. But, um, and it's really weird to get sober around people who, aren't getting sober Mm. and seeing your relationship with them on a sober level is incredibly hard because you start seeing all the holes. Right. And like, especially with my parents, um, I started seeing their behaviors that obviously um, were very damaging as a child, but weren't at like such a, damaging level that like you need child services or whatever but you start seeing those and you're like oh that's why I'm fucked up oh like I get it now because 
I, as a child, didn't recognize that. And then when I became old enough to maybe see it, I started drinking and started getting on the same level as you. So it wasn't until I was like, I was pregnant at 35 with my first, I was 35 years old, 36, 37, that I started seeing stuff, what was really happening for the first time. Beautiful. And I think that's the reality. That's that's mm-hmm. the that something very similar is my story. Something very similar is happening around the world, uh, from one generation to the next. So, but then again, you said earlier, I loved it because that was you described it as as your parents' journey, as your parents re- trying to escape their reality uh, at a time when there were no insights about the drinking culture uh, where yeah. it was normal to drink. And uh, it was, on the contrary, it was part and parcel of many of many business deals, of many, many things that you take for granted in society. Right now, it was normal to smoke. It was normal to drink. Mm-hmm. And people looked at you in a weird way. If you were excluding yourself from this bonding experience of getting yes. pissed together. So... Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear about that. So, especially for the younger listeners and viewers, it is it's probably hard for for you to imagine in a world where increasingly people are actually drinking less. If you mm-hmm. go through generations back, yeah, uh, each generation was uh, drinking heaps for a number of reasons, and it is it is only now that uh, the things are mildly changing. Okay, yeah. So it is what it is. So. But just wow! I mean, your your journey of transformation is amazing because there you are, um, having to do it all the hard way uh, to do to figure out the lessons yourself, often in the face of criticism or laughter or derogatory comments, um, and I think that's the hard thing. That is nowadays again, I'm so blessed to have had those insights that I've gained over the last 10, 15 years that I can listen to you and actually understand the gut microbiome. Whilst maybe there are other doctors still out there, they're saying, ah, what a bullshit. No, no, I'm a surgeon. I cut things out. And if there's, <laughs> what, what the hell shall I do with bacteria? You know, if you only have got a hammer, everything needs to look like a man nail. Okay, and if it is not a nail, then you don't know what to do with it. So unfortunately, that still that still holds true for some of my colleagues. And that is where I put the onus on you. If you feel that, hang on, I'm not getting anywhere, get a second opinion or a third mm-hmm. or fourth opinion and actually don't don't stop looking. Um, I, the other thing, though, I want to say is um, there was a time as a, as a young, young baby doctor, I was going for my training in anesthesia. And I was one night shift, I was trying to figure out what are the side effects of an obstetric epidural. So putting a, a little tube in the back and giving a pain mm-hmm. relief for it. And I looked on the internet and I came across this most perfect summary of everything that could possibly go wrong with an obstetric epidural. And I thought, wow, that's the perfect exam answer. And I started copying and writing. It took me two hours to write the bloody thing down. And then I thought, who is putting so much time out there to give me the perfect exam answer in anesthesia? And guess what it was? It was a natural childbirth place who was basically very much saying, oh, evil doctors, evil that. 
So could it be that you might go onto the internet and actually find find maybe discussion forums that uh, maybe where the pendulum maybe really is, has swung towards yeah. a very a very right wing maybe Doctor Hostile uh, attitude. Yes, trust me, they are out there. So therefore, when I say uh, seek a a second and third uh, opinion, with that that also holds true. If you if you hear a lot of things where people vilify doctors, maybe you should talk to a doctor and actually just get both sides of the thing, sort of get the yin and the yang, um, because yeah. inevitably both sides will have something to offer. If you yeah. only go one way you're actually excluding yourself from from a healthy thing we're talking about healthy things healthy things are black and white there are yin and yang if you look at a symbol the the black has got a bit of white in it and vice versa so please guys um go out there with an open mind learn as much as you possibly can about your body and about your problem um, whatever that may be, let it be diabetes or let it be um, whatever it is, and see how you can become knowledgeable and become a master, uh, someone who knows more than their doctor on their particular on their particular you know issue. Yeah. For me, it is beautiful with the journey with alcohol, and for others, it might. For you, it is the journey with fertility, where you are can now help other women to see the broader the broader picture and that yeah. is so so beautiful I and mean, monica i think it's um really tapping back into a woman and a man's intuition like we've really lost that ability and when you start changing up your diet and listening to what your body is saying after you eat something and you get in tune with that you can actually keep going with listening to your body so when you speak to a naturopath, a doctor, a health coach, you know, whatever it is, and you're sitting there. And if you just tune into what your body is feeling, you will either go, yes, this is right for me. I trust this person. I'm going to take their advice, no matter what it is, right? Mm. Or if you're sitting there getting really tense or like, nah, that doesn't make sense to me, mm. then walk away. Like, don't work with that person, right? Like, oh. I feel like we're in these headlights of like, well, I have to do this. It's like, no, just take a breath. Like my way isn't the right way for everyone. You mm. know, medical assistance, like, isn't the right way for everyone. Like you really got to, like you say, just find the right person that you connect with and you trust mm. and is going to lead you to your ultimate goal. Exactly. Monica, if if people after this interview think, wow, this, this woman actually has got something there, maybe I should get in touch. Where, <laughs> where can they find you? So I'm finding fertility everywhere on Instagram, TikTok. My website is findingfertility.co. So I'm really mm. easily Googleable. <laughs> mm, exactly. And you have got a book out there, haven't you? Yeah. Yay, yeah, <laughs> I have uh, six steps to boost your embryos and there's a really good introduction to each of the steps just to give you an insight of where you need to go. Um, but mostly it is a uh, 
a 365 day journal you can start at any time and it just um you have to answer a question every day like what can i do to so help someone out tomorrow so it's all about gratitude and living in the now and finding the joy now because we're so focused on you know the ultimate goal it's like well what about your journey of getting there yeah like it's not going to be all roses but let's Let's like make it a little mm. bit fun. And then it has my inspirational meal plan at the back of it, which is um, just really there to inspire people to get a wide variety of food into their diet. And it is closely linked to the autoimmune paleo diet um, just because that helps like weed out all the inflammatory foods. But in the diet section, it does definitely tell you to start where you're at. And an autoimmune paleo diet is not a diet that you want to be on long term unless you have to be on it mm. because it does not give you or it's it's just harder to give you that gut microbiome diversity that that you need. So, um, you know, there's definitely not one size fit diet. It's just inspirational and um, but it's just packed full of liver and bone broth and vegetables and yummy meats and just things that maybe a lot of people just don't eat anymore. Very good point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Monica, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for coming onto my show, for sharing your story, for being so transparent and authentic and and honest. That's beautiful. What a breath of fresh air. Thank you. You have certainly made my day and made me rethink about my own gut, about my own uh, way of life. Um, and that's why I love this show so much. It is. It gives me an hour of therapy every single time I talk to, to a wonderful guest here. So I can't see myself stopping anytime soon because I'm just far too addicted to life and far too addicted to learning more about myself and growing so guys, come along for the journey. And if, if fertility is an issue, get in touch with Monica, buy her book and look down there into the description of the YouTube video because all her links are down there. So what's your excuse not to get in touch? <laughs> Sorry, thank I don't you so do that. Much. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Okay. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Dream on. Dream